Kiora, and welcome to Walking the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the shadowy realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. Your hosts. I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining us today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, and let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Halloween. The night of the year when the vow between the living and those who have died is thinnest. For Wiccan and pagan communities, it's a time of celebration. For those cultures who celebrate Halloween, it's more commonly known as a night when kids and kids at heart dress up in costumes and the kids go trick-or-treating, gorge themselves on lollies and the adults have parties. It falls on October the 31st because the ancient Gaelic festival of Sandheim considered the earliest known route of Halloween occurred on this day. It marked a pivotal time of year when the seasons changed, but more importantly, observers also believed that the boundary between this world and the next became especially thin at this time, enabling them to connect with the dead. This belief is shared by some other cultures. It's a night where it's become tradition to hear or tell ghost stories, watch horror movies and generally scare ourselves and have fun doing it. Here in the Southern Hemisphere, we haven't really had Halloween as such a huge thing like it is in parts of the Northern Hemisphere, particularly the USA, but some do celebrate it here. So in honour of the season and the fact that there are two Halloween Eves in the world, one in each hemisphere, I'm having special episodes of the Walking the Shadowlands podcast, one today for our Halloween's Eve and one tomorrow for the Northern Hemisphere's Halloween Eve. Two nights of genuine ghost stories and paranormal experiences. So, get yourself comfortable. Turn down the lights, but not too low. You want to be able to see what is lurking in the corner of your room or out in your corridor or on your stairs. Get your nice warm cup of tea or coffee or favourite tipple and your rug if it's cold where you are or your what? What? Did you just hear that door? Did you hear that? Was that my imagination? Oh, that must have just been my imagination. Are you ready to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Are you brave enough? Then let's begin. This is the second year that Walking the Shadowlands has been able to have Halloween episodes, which are a lot of fun to create and voice. This year, though, it's a little different. Because I've had some wonderful guests on, I'm going to reshare some of their paranormal experiences that our new listeners, and welcome to you all this wonderful evening, may not have heard before. I'll start this episode off with an incident that happened to me personally when I lived in the United States in the early to mid-2000s with my then-husband. At that time, I was living in a small town called Waxhaw, about 30 minutes out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Beautiful little town. It was mid-morning, it was daylight, broad daylight. I was sitting in our sunroom resting because I'd just hurt my back and I could barely move. It was a bit of a mission for me to get on and off the chair, a bit like being in late pregnancy. It took me a few minutes. I definitely couldn't just leap off my chair like I would have normally. 
So I was just sitting there feeling rather sorry for myself, reading and just resting. When out of the corner of my left eye, I see this large, blonde, vaguely familiar woman standing on the other side of our decking. I saw her from the waist up, which actually was impossible, but I didn't even consider this at the time because of the height of the decking from the ground. It would have made her about 12 feet tall. I did a double take when I realised she was smiling broadly at me and waving to get my attention. I smiled and waved back at her and called out to Jay in the next room. I told him there was someone on our property who was wanting our attention. Could he please check? And at the same time, I turned to look at him in the other room. When I turned back to look at her, she had gone. I assumed that because I had acknowledged her that she had now gone to the front door of her house to be let in. However, as Jay was on the way to the front door to check if she was still there, the phone rang. It was my mother-in-law to say that she had just heard from Rhonda, my then sister-in-law, that Rhonda's mum was critically ill in hospital. That minute was when I realised that it was her that I had actually just seen. I didn't recognise her initially because she looked younger and far healthier than when I had last seen her. I said to Jay, no, 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 she's not ill. She's actually passed away because that's who I just saw. Then at that moment, the phone rang again and it was to say that they had just received the news that she had passed over. You have to understand that I really, perhaps a handful of times in my life, have seen spirit that look absolutely solid like a living person and she was one of them. I realised afterwards that she had come to tell me that she was okay so I could pass that on to her daughter Rhonda because Rhonda's mum knew I was a medium and would likely be able to see her to pass the message on. So that was one of my more interesting experiences I've had in broad daylight and one of the few where I've not been able to initially tell that they were a spirit and not a living person. first experience is from Deb in Michigan in the United States and comes from episode 50 of our podcast called Tyler's Return. Now this episode was an incredibly incredibly emotional episode. A bit of a backstory: she lost her husband who she was deeply deeply in love with. He was killed in a tragic accident and a few months after his death she started experiencing paranormal stuff in her home and never put the two and two together, that it was Tyler letting her know that he was still around her and that he loved her. These are the first couple of major experiences that she had in her home following his passing before she made the connection who it was. The most profound things that we saw move were um, one particular day I come up from our basement and was walking through my kitchen and I had a very expensive camcorder. Of course, back in 2004, camcorders were pretty expensive and I used mine quite a bit and it was sitting on a kitchen counter I had. So as I'm walking by it, I glanced over at it. So my eyeballs are looking right at this camcorder. I saw it lift up off the counter and it literally come flying at me. 
Well, catching it, which I should have done, it freaked me out and I kind of panicked. So I dodged it and it ended up falling to the ground. And this is going to sound kind of terrible. So I'll try and keep it PG because it's a bathroom story. And I was again home alone during the day. And I had a, a dog that's a boxer. And he was about two years old when this happened. And um, so I went into the bathroom to do my business. Okay, if you know what I'm talking about. So I'm sitting there. And you know how animals always want to be by their owners when they're in the bathroom doing their business. <laughs> so here tags along my little dog. And he, he well, he wasn't so little. Um, so he's sitting right at my feet while I'm in the bathroom doing my business. My morning business, the dog is sitting there. My bathroom door is wide open because I'm home alone. Like, why would you close the door if you're home alone? So as I'm sitting there, my dog all of a sudden perks up, stands up, and then all the hair on his back completely raises, and then he starts growling. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I've had this dog and raised it from a puppy for two years, and I've never heard this dog growl, ever, never once in its life have I ever heard this dog growl. So then all of a sudden, he started slowly creeping toward the door of the bathroom that was wide open. And I'm like, oh, wow. And then all, the, all my hairs on my entire body stood on end. And mind you, I'm trapped on the toilet because I haven't done my paperwork yet, <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> So I'm kind of um, panicking because here I am sitting in a vulnerable position and my dog is slowly creeping toward the door growling like I've never heard him growl before. So then he pokes his head around the corner and manages to work his way out into the hallway um, and he's facing my master bedroom. He's facing my master bedroom and the dog just stayed there and I could see his head moving back and forth as if he was looking at something. And then, and I kept my eyes peeled right at the door because I felt as though there was something in there. Like I could feel it, all the hairs right. on my body and everything. It felt like static electricity all through my body. Right. And um, so the dog is growling at my door. And before I know it, I see this giant black shadow cross in front of my doorway in my bedroom okay so mm -hmm. the windows in my bedroom were illuminating into the hallway and something crossed in front of them that was completely like a shadow in the shape of a human being and I almost had a heart attack um I because there was somebody in my house I mean you see a shadow in the shape of a giant man and the dog is looking at it and growling at it you, I've never done my paperwork on the toilet that fast before in my life. Um, I was trying to pull up my, my drawers um, and running out into the hallway as fast as I possibly could. Um, and when I did step into my bedroom, I, it was cold. Like it felt really cold in there. And there was like this static electricity kind of feeling in the air that I'd never felt in the house before. And of course, there was nobody there. Marianne there was nobody and it was cold in there despite right. it being very hot outside like an 80 degrees plus day outside and uh sunshiny during the day so it creeped me out so badly that I um, went and investigated the entire rest of my house to see if for sure I was there alone and yes I was and of course not all paranormal experiences are pleasant this is Belinda's story and the beginning experiences of a major haunting episode that lasted over a period of a number of years where she was tormented, absolutely tormented and haunted by entities who traumatised her and later her daughter as well. The full episode was called A Haunting in Australia. There are links to these episodes at www.walkingtheshadowlands.com from this episode's page or you can just look them up on the website. I moved into a unit in on the central coast in New South Wales in Australia. From the very first night I moved in there, it felt very uneasy. I didn't feel comfortable. I felt constantly watched. Um, 
and I didn't especially didn't feel comfortable being in my bedroom. I felt like I needed a easy escape route kind of thing. So I slept on the lounge in the lounge room. So the very first night I remember laying on the lounge and I woke and there was a tall, long-haired, solid man with a flannelette jacket walked in my entrance door um, and closely followed behind him was a shorter man with a bald head and I, my eyes felt all groggy and I, I, I swore it was just a dream but I think um, so I went back to sleep, I woke again, I saw the same people but they were in shadow form now. And I remember looking up and just seeing the short, balder guy sitting on my TV in shadow form and he just went shh like that at me. Um, almost every night I was in this house, in this unit, I would have that feeling. I'd have, have that feeling of, so if you if you were to close your eyes and hold your hand an inch or so above your skin and you can you can feel that there's an energy force there, I'd have that feeling like there was someone behind me. I'd I'd sleep with the covers over my head, tucked under my feet. I'd have the fan going 24-7, just have background noise and block out something. And I would just hear, just have that feeling constantly. I had multiple situations with these same beings all the time. Um, and then it, it escalated one night where I actually had a um, very, yeah, very scary encounter with a, a shadow being. Um, I woke to tapping on the on the roof or because I was, I was the bottom level of a multi-level apartment I just assumed it was a couple upstairs having a dispute I woke to hear on the floor ceiling above my bed and it went again just it went two or three times and then it stopped and then they went again and then I heard running across the floor above me and the door above me slamming, people running down the stairs, and then the loudest bang, which I thought was on my front door but could have been on my bedroom door, bang, 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 bang. I freaked. I didn't know what to do. It was about 3 or 4 in the morning. Um, I ended up ringing the police and they attended and no one answered the door upstairs. Um, they weren't sure if someone was in there. Um, there was no sound of movement up there and later come to find out that I think that 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 place was actually unoccupied. Um, so I don't know if what I, I don't know if what I encountered was a, a replay of a domestic situation, but it was very, very frightening. And a few nights later, I was laying in bed. Again, I saw and the door handle started to slowly creak up and down uh just it wasn't a round knob it was like one of those sides kind of like a I don't know what you call it a lengthways handle and it was slowly creaking yes up and down and then it just slammed down and the door swung open and the door frame was empty for a second and then this the tall shadow being with the long hair was there and then he just lunged at my bed in a shadow blanket form. Um, I was so terrified. I'm even shaking a bit now thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, my whole body just shook. It was the middle of winter and I was sweating and felt like I had a fever. It was it was terrible. I, I remember telling one of my bosses about it um, and she believed, she believed in the spirit world and she said, um, I don't know who that is, but whoever it is, they do not want you out in there. You need to get out right away. And I'm, that didn't help at all. <laughs> so, um, yeah, within, I gave my notice pretty much straight away. And every morning I would wake up just in tears, like grateful that I made it through the night. It was really, I don't know who it was. I, I have a feeling now that it may have been um, to do with, there's a men's rehab facility next door, a men's refuge across the road from the hospital. I think it was to do with um, someone who had overdosed. And, yeah, these two beings, they just were nasty and, and really enjoyed terrifying me. So, yeah, I got out of that. That was, that was God, that was when I was 22 or so. I'm now almost 37. But it still gives me chills recalling that. Yeah. 
this experience from Vicky is a particularly scary one and one that has lasted with her for many, many years. This was from season one from an episode called Things That Go Bump in the Night. I've got a um, tale to tell you from when I was quite a young girl, I was 18. One of my friend, one of my school friends' mum, she lived in this house and she rented or board and lodgings, I suppose you would call it. Anyway, we had one young fellow there named Don who he left, he moved out and um, there were six of us living in the house and he started coming back and we, were, we would all hang out in the kitchen, you know, and talk and stuff. Anyway, he... Um, he started coming around a lot and then he was really hesitant to go back to his home and we were like, you know, what's going on? Anyway, he um, and his physical appearance started to change and I knew him very well. I, I, I grew up in a foster home with him anyway, so I really noticed the big, you know, difference in him. Anyway, this particular night he came over and it was probably about 11.30 and we were saying, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm going to bed, I'm tired, just nick off, go home. And he was like, oh, I don't really want to go home. And I said, why? What's what's wrong? And he said, oh, oh there's nothing. He goes, oh, you, you'll think I'm mad. And we were like going, oh, no, what's, you know, what's happening? <laughs> anyway, he told us this, like a tale, I suppose. He said that there were things going on in his room and at first like from the first night that he moved in there things were um he could hear noises and um he would go out um of the room and he would come back and things had been moved anyway we sort of said oh you know like what's the you know what's the big deal on that and he said oh no he said it's um getting worse now like to the point where he didn't want to be there he was frightened and we were like oh cool you know like, <laughs> let's be ghost hunters and we'll go around to his house anyway in Geelong um like where I, where we were from the house it was sort of like an old I don't know like a worker's cottage or something very old like over 100 years old and it was across the road from the wool shed. So they used to, I don't know, it's a big sheep industry. And, yeah, so they store all the bales and stuff. But this old, and it was sort of like a terrace house. I don't know if you know what they are. Yeah. But you walk in the front door, bedrooms either side, go down the big long passage and more rooms and then out the back to the left was the kitchen. Anyway, Don's room was at the front of the house and we went there and he told us that he could hear a baby cry, like a like a little tiny new baby. And it was so strong, like so loud, he thought there was a baby in the room. So he said he got to the point where he actually was opening his cupboard and looking because it was so real like he said it freaked him out and he he couldn't find anything of course so he thought oh maybe it's somebody next door anyway what really really spun him out was like I think the last straw for him he was in his room and he's he had very voluptuous hair like this is the early 80s, 80s and he had this his brush and his brush you know constantly brushing his hair Anyway, this um, he said he put the brush on the his bedside table, and it went flying off, and then his wardrobe door come flying open, and his shirts come flying out, and he just went stuff that I'm out. <laughs> anyway, he ended up um, like you know telling us all this this night, and we were like, holy hell, we're going, we're going, and um. Yeah, I wish we didn't because we weren't there and 
we were sitting in the lounge in oh sorry not the lounge the kitchen area and it was like um as soon as you walk in the door immediately to your right was a dining room table like an old table and then opposite that was big like you know the old wood stoves big clunky old stove and then this um like to the right was the back door but it was one of those big I always say it's like a farmer's door or a Oh, I don't even know what the word for it is, but it's really big, solid, heavy planks with sort of like a Z shape, you know, holding it together in a big brass lock and door handle. Anyway, that door was open. We were all sitting around. There was Don, Eddie, um, Carol, Lyle and myself and one of um, Lyle's friends and we literally were sitting there and we were all talking about this um, stuff that was going on in in Don's room. Anyway, it was literally we were sitting there and it was like um, somebody had opened a freezer door. It went so cold and our breath, like we were freezing and we were like, oh, what's going on? And then literally it felt like something was going like this, like rubbing their hand across our cheek and it went around the back of our head and then it went to the next one and the next one. And you could literally see as this whatever it was moved around us, you could see the the look on people's face, like everyone sort of went, you know, oh, my God. When it got to Carol, she was sitting on um, Lyle's lap at the table and it, she said um, something's touching me and Lyle's like going, what are you doing Carol and she said I don't know and it, it was she said it was like somebody standing behind her and pushing down on her shoulders like pushing her into into Lyle and he was like going get off me like what are you doing and it wasn't her it was whatever this thing was anyway they, it turned around and it grabbed her throat and she was you know, visibly going, like, it was grabbed her and, like, we were like, oh, my God. Anyway, next thing, it um, the back door slammed, that big bang, and the key comes flying out and that was it. We were just like, ah, <laughs> and we were running out of the house. We were hightailing it down the passage and we heard this almighty bashing up in the um, in the ceiling. And it was like a um, like an attic, you know, with you, you pull the um, stairs or ladder down. Yeah. Anyway, there was this huge ruckus, like massive banging up there, and we were like, "Oh my god!" And Eddie, who lived in the house with Don, he said, "I'm going to go and have a look." And we're going, "No, <laughs> don't don't do that. Like, let's just go." Anyway, he went up there, and he was up there for about, I don't even know, 30 seconds and there was this almighty blood-curdling scream from him and he come flying out of the, um, the the attic or whatever you call it and he was, what is the word, like like he had a mental breakdown, like he was he was gone. He, he ended up in a, um, like in a psych ward. He, yeah, whatever it was was, yeah, not good. And then they turned, um, Carol went and looked at the archives to see if anything had happened in that house and apparently there was a guy, I didn't see it myself, but apparently there was a guy in the 30s or 40s, I think it was like my, maybe know, around depression time, and he killed his wife and newborn baby and he threw the baby on the ground like um dashed its head onto the stone, like onto the little tiny baby. And I think that's what, I don't know whether it was the house made him do it, like whatever, or that was him in the house doing that to to us. Like, yeah, I don't know, whatever, it was physical and it moved things around, like it was very violent, it was nasty. I get goosebumps thinking about it, but it it was... um, Poor old Eddie there, he, I don't know what he saw up there, but it, it didn't do him any good. And we, yeah, we never ever went back. Don didn't even go back to get his clothes or anything. He left. He just didn't, 
then he come back to the house with us. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, that was probably that's the most horrific thing, <laughs> and you don't want to ever have an experience. You know, like I, I read about all these people have these nice things that, yeah, that wasn't a very good one. Um, like I say, it wasn't a nice experience. It wasn't like for, for a first time. And you sit there and you think, oh, you know, like, I mean, I've had other experiences, nothing like that though. They've been nice, I suppose, yeah, you know, in that way. But this one was nasty. And it's more thing like I think now, like, I was thinking the other night, I was like, holy hell, like, we were really silly because it could have attached itself to us or, like, it hurt Eddie. I don't know what it did to, like, mentally or, and it was almost like, and this is weird, it was almost like it was being friendly and nice and then, yeah, and then it sort of escalated like that, like, snap your fingers there. Oh, this is not nice. Sometimes in hauntings, the entity or the spirit will give themselves nicknames or they'll give themselves a name that they can be recognised by. In this case, this entity referred to themselves as the Hulk from episode 32, The Hulk, A Haunting in Kansas, and is from Lauren. My daughter's dad had came down with his dad, and they came to stay the night. Um, they were supposed to do something. They had some kind of business to do, and they were going to be here for a couple of days, and they were staying at my house. And mm-hmm. I remember, like, I, I heard all this racket going on in that room where the, the blue glowing windows. And so I went in there, and I started recording for a couple minutes, and... I didn't listen to it right away. Like, I guess I was kind of scared to listen to it. But um, I finally did listen to it. And it was the Hulk or the man whispering, he's in the red, get the right man. And I was thinking, what does that mean? And I went back and looked at our photos that we had taken that weekend. We had taken several photos. And their grandpa was wearing a black t-shirt and their dad was wearing a red t-shirt. So I realized then that he was talking about their dad. And I was like, I, I was talking about their dad. And then I remembered um, I had kind of told them that night about some of the stuff that was going on and kind of warned them, like, if you hear some weird noises in the night, that's probably why. And I remember their dad was just kind of laughing it off. And he was saying, I'm not afraid of any ghosts. And um he's not going to scare me and just kind of saying stuff to kind of taunt him. Right. um, So that night he went to bed. Um, He slept in the girls' room and their dad slept in that other room with the the weird glowing windows and he slept totally fine. But um, I had stayed up late watching TV and I heard something like stomping across the floor. And I didn't even really bat an eye because I was so used to footsteps at this point that it didn't even, it barely even registered with me. Right. But I remember I, I, at some point I shut off the TV and I went to bed and then I came back upstairs to get a bottle of water. And um, as soon as I opened the door um, at the top of the stairs, I saw their dad standing there in the kitchen. He was just kind of, standing there in the dark kind of peeking around the corner and I, I said what are you doing and he was like well I was expecting you to come around the other corner over there and I was like well why what are you talking about and he said well because I just heard somebody up here somebody was stomping up towards me and I could hear him getting closer and closer and then I heard somebody going hey hey and I guess he jumped up and was looking around for somebody and there was nobody there wow but, um, yeah, after, um, pretty much like after that, he never really, he didn't make fun of it anymore. And he knew that it wasn't, 
anything I was just exaggerating or making up things, but he never, never said anything else about it. Not all paranormal experiences are scary. Some have a touch of humour about them, or maybe it's the person who experienced them. This is Don from Season 5, the episode entitled I Met a Ghost in Gettysburg. I really enjoyed my conversation with Don. He has such a wonderful sense of humour. And before his experiences, before he brought this haunted home that he loved so dearly and restored, he was an absolute sceptic. So his experiences in this home changed his life completely. And then he went on to have some experiences with the paranormal at Gettysburg. Hence the name of the episode, I Met a Ghost in Gettysburg. He wrote a book about his experiences. So this is Don. I was fascinated with the house. It's Much of the house is original to 1835, and a lot of the woodwork doors, hardware has never been changed. And unfortunately, it was in such rough shape that some of the floors would not bear your weight from the water damage. You could stand in the basement, look through the ground and second floor levels and through the roof and see the sky in one spot. (laughs) But we thought, well, I had told my wife about it. She was intrigued. We looked at it. We had three different contractors come through, give us estimates. And we thought, yeah, we, it's, it, there's enough here that's solid that we could restore it. So we bought it, bit the bullet, and I'm glad we did. But early on, when we were working on the house outside, a gentleman who had lived here for almost 25 years saw us outside, he pulled in, came almost running over to us and and said, you guys know this house is haunted. Well, we really hadn't worked inside with it much. So um, my wife and I looked at each other. I had to bite my tongue because what I wanted to say is that explains the half-empty booze bottles we're finding (laughs) hidden uh, different parts of the house. But he seemed like a nice guy, and I didn't want to be rude. Really didn't put much stock at all on what he told us. But it wasn't too much later than we started experiencing some of the very things that he experienced. The one that really sticks out, he said he heard would often hear footsteps running across upstairs from bedroom at one end of the house through the middle, across the hallway, into the north bedroom, and the door would slam. The odd thing was the door at the top of the uh, of the stairs that we would hear close was actually stuck partway open could not be budged. Um, it had swelled from some of the water damage, but yet you would clearly hear the door close and even the metallic click of the lock set. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I thought, what in the world? I thought, well, there must be an animal like a raccoon or something in, in the house. I ran upstairs, nothing. The door was not moved and it couldn't be moved. There weren't even any footsteps in the dust. We had not done anything upstairs yet. And I was just kind of like, wow, what in the world is going on here? Well, that repeated itself different times. And it just, we would often hear, this sounded like very light barefoot footsteps, perhaps a child or maybe a a small woman is what it sounded like. Uh, We would hear heavy steps. Uh, I would hear them like the front door open and I would hear footsteps go down the main hall or go up the steps and hear walking around upstairs, but the door did not open and there was nobody visible. Um, Just these sorts of things. And I was thinking I was losing my mind. Luckily, my wife was helping me work here. She experienced them. Um, a good example is one time when we were working upstairs in the south bedroom, which is actually the newer part of the house from the 1860s, um, we heard the front door open. We heard somebody walk across the living room and into the dining room, just real as could be. Well, we thought someone from the family had stopped out to visit, looked out the window. There were no cars in the drive. 
Um, so then I hollered down the, the back stairs, no answer. I went downstairs to look, there was nobody there, but it could not have been a more realistic sound. Right. So these were the sorts of things that really got our heads, you know, just spinning. But some of the things that really were odd is electronics. We had the electricity to the house turned off. It was very old wiring. It had been water damaged. We didn't want to risk a fire. So we had no power in the house. We used everything either by batteries or I had a generator that we would run outside. We had radios, battery-powered radios, a CD player. Because we were doing a lot of work with saws and sawdust kicking up dust, I had found a CD player radio at a garage sale. Well, this thing would shut off or turn on on its own. It would change radio stations, and I thought it was defective. I threw it away and bought a brand-new one. And this one would come on, turn off by itself, change radio stations by itself. Um, I thought, what in the world is, is going on here? The most, most amazing one is my wife, Diane, and I were working outside, working on bricks, tuck-pointing bricks, and the radio kept going from music we were listening to to a Bowling Green State University men's basketball game. And it didn't matter what station we put it on, within 30 seconds it was back on the basketball game. It was kind of insulting because Bowling Green is the arch rival to the University of Toledo where I attended, uh, which kind of adds some humor to it. But we gave up trying to, to change it. I bet we changed it a dozen times and it went back. Finally, when the game was over, we put it back on our original station and had no more problems. It's like we were just scratching our heads at this. Um, another time I was working and it was after dark and I had a saw set up in the living room. I was cutting floorboards to replace the upstairs bedroom floor and I had radio going. Everything was plugged into a generator. The radio was actually plugged in in this case. And every time a loud rock song, this is a classic rock station, every time a loud rock song would come on, the radio would turn off. And after it happened three times, this is the first time I ever did this, I spoke out loud out of frustration and said, look, leave the radio alone. I like this music. Don't turn it off. Don't make me stop what I'm doing to turn it back on. Leave the radio alone. So I go back to work, and I don't know, two or three songs later, the Elton John song, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, came on. The radio didn't turn off. The generator outside turned off. <laughs> me in the dark. And I just stood there, and I laughed. And I went outside. The generator it was flipped off. It was not, didn't run out of gas, no issue. It fired right back up and nothing bothered me the rest of that night. Not all those who pass over are adults. In this experience from actually last year's Halloween episode, this is Jasmine from New Zealand who talks about her experiences that happened to her when her younger sister passed over, when they were just children. And it's kind of tender and touching and sad at the same time. So I'm Jasmine, and my experiences with uh, paranormal began when I was quite young. So it happened when my sister passed away. My younger sister passed away in um, 2001. She had a seizure in the bathtub. Uh, between the time it took from my dad to answer the door and for me to get there, uh, she had already passed. And so I was sort of the first person that was on the scene and saw her. Um, I was five years old when that happened. Um, and after that, uh, I experienced a lot of um, unusual things that were happening uh, that related back to her behaviour when she was alive. So uh, we had 
a sliding door in our bathroom, for instance, and we had to shove a wooden uh, wedge in it so she couldn't get into the bathroom. After she passed away, we took it out for convenience and I would hear her running um, up and down the hallway, um, opening and closing the door. Uh, That happened (laughs) basically every day. Um, I experienced her as if she had actually never left. So I heard her, her laugh or could feel her there, but I never seen her um, physically. Um, Sorry, it's a bit hard to, yeah. But it's um, getting easier to talk about, which is good. And I think this feels really important to do. So, um, yeah, these experiences, they uh, continue basically every every day. Um, And because I was quite young, I didn't really understand what I was experiencing. And because I never seen a physical form, I just always heard or felt things, um, I I couldn't identify that with being her. So I was quite terrified of what that could have been um, or even the idea of a ghost. You know, as a child, I, I always thought that was a scary thing or, or a bad thing. Um, and my family, my parents were still very young, so uh, probably a bit uncomfortable about talking about it and, and probably quite in shock about some of the things that were happening as well. Um, didn't really... Uh, speak openly about it with me and and it wasn't until a a close family friend who I actually call an uncle um, spoke to me and had heard about from my parents what I was experiencing and he spoke to me and and told me that I didn't have to be scared because it was my sister and knowing that sort of flicked a switch in my mind where it went from being really fearful and actually quite scared of what was happening to actually feeling quite relieved and actually almost happy because she, in a way she hadn't gone. And, um, you know, that was a nice feeling for me that uh, I could still experience her there. And even though I didn't completely understand what was happening, um, I was still quite happy that um, it was happening to me because not all of the members of my family experienced it the same way. Um, Although there was one night in particular where we were all, all of us were in the lounge and her room was closed off for about a few months at least after she'd passed away, completely locked up uh, the way it was the day she passed away. Um, And we heard this banging noise and we all sort of looked at each other like, like, did you hear that? Uh, To sort of confirm what we were hearing and it carried on and, and the noise was, like a ding, ding. It was like something banging against um, a metal bar and we actually used to share that bedroom together and it was a a metal bunk bed that sort of had a railing on the side. And she didn't cry much as a baby, but uh, she would bang her bottle on the side of it when she was ready to get let out of bed or if she wanted the attention, she'd she'd bang there until somebody would come into the room. And so it continued. It continued for, like, just keep going, that, that noise. And my mum was actually starting to, to cry because she didn't really know how to cope with what was happening. And um, the close family friend, my uncle, he was actually there and he got he just got up um, and he walked into the room and he opened the door and he said, okay, come on, you can, you can get out now and then closed the door behind him. And after that, there, there was no... Um, no more banging noises. So for a family, for us as a family, that was quite a big experience that we've never actually talked about ever since, um, actually. And I, I continued to have those experiences right up until we um, left that house, actually. And um, after that, I, I, I never experienced it to that intensity that I felt um, in, in that house, which was actually the house that she passed away in as well. Um, of feeling like she was just there you know it's so hard to explain what the feeling was like Um, but I guess in terms of like feeling their wider like feeling the spirit that you know you you know when somebody's in a room with you or something like that 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 was that that same feeling and um, I guess in life I didn't have that 
same connection, but I felt connected to her through my sense of smell. So uh, for me, smell has always been one of the biggest things I've always picked up on. As soon as I go into a room, that's the first thing that I notice. Um, and it's attached to everything that I remember. And for her, it was this very distinct smell of um, Play-Doh, like, you know, homemade Play-Doh, salty sort of smell to it. And um, she loved playing with the stuff. She'd come home from preschool reeking of it, her, her clothes, her bag, her, everything that she had. Um, she always had this, this really salty sort of smell. And um, <clears throat> I actually do remember it when she first passed away as a child, when we first went back to sort of going back to normal, going to back to preschool and back to school. Um, my brother and my sister were very close and they went to the same preschool. And when we used to come home, would walk into the house and then it was still like she was still there like she'd still come because we'd still smell that smell of, of the play-doh and um later on in life as I got older I think as we do we sort of start to push away a lot of those sort of things that we're experiencing and I think as I got older I um become less in touch with what I was experiencing or with that connection with her um, I didn't pick up on things as easily, but those that smell came back to me several times. Like I'm 23 now, turning 24 soon, and I've since had several uh, times in my life where that smell has come back, usually before quite an important, um, oh, like when something, a, a difficult situation is about to come up, usually in the family. Um, like a, like times when I've had to sort of step up or when I, you know, being a teenager, you sort of get stuck in your own world and, and, and that's all that matters. Um, there's been a couple of times where um, I didn't, I needed to step up for my family and help them and she sort of came along and, and that smell, I smelt it again and straight away just having her picture in my mind knowing that that was her trying to tell me something and then sure enough, not even that long later, something quite big happens and then I realise, all right, that's that's her um, coming back to let me know something. And ever since I have had similar sort of things, but it's never been as strong as that connection is when I was a child. And I'll end this episode with another of my personal daylight sightings from when I was married to Jay. However, this time, it happened when we lived in Hamilton, New Zealand. There's a large old cemetery in Hamilton as you come into the city, coming from the south along Cobbin Drive. It's the original cemetery of the city, and I have some family members interred there. On this beautiful summer morning, Jay, my youngest daughter and I, were driving along inside the cemetery. It was about 11am or thereabouts in the early 2000s, before we went to live in Waxhaw in North Carolina in the USA. I was only driving at around 16 kilometres per hour, around 10 miles per hour, probably a little less actually because we were enjoying the beautiful gravestones as we travelled along the road and we weren't in a hurry to get to where we needed to go because we didn't know where we needed to go, we didn't know where the graves were. So on either side of the road and in some cases right on the very edge of the road, were these rows and rows of large above-ground headstones, the large monumental types that people used to use in the early part of last century and the previous century, before lower-type stones became the norm. Some of these stones were six or seven feet tall, definitely tall enough for a person to be standing behind them and we would not spot them. Also, the rows were placed so that all we could see was the back of the stones as we drove up the road there was another car that came up behind us as we drove, which is not unusual, even though this was such an old cemetery. So we were just chatting away in the car about what we planned to do when we found the family graves. Because, as I said, we didn't know precisely where they were placed in the cemetery when all of a sudden this very, very slender woman steps out in front of one of the greys and into the path of our car. She had short hair, styled in the wave bob of the flapper era. She had sensible shoes on, thick tights, 
or stockings, knitted stockings by the looks of it, a tweed skirt, which would have been the fashion from that era, and what we called a twin set top and cardigan on. Around her neck she had a string of pearls and she didn't once look in our direction. All of this I spotted in the second I slammed the brakes on my car. She had stepped out right in front of it, and despite the fact that we were going so slowly, we were all sure that I must have hit her, as she was literally only feet from the car. My heart was in my stomach. Horrified, Jan and I both jumped out of the car and ran around the front to see if she was okay. I thought for sure she must be lying on the ground wounded, and she was such a frail-looking woman. To our shock, there was no one there, not a soul, nor any sign that anyone had been there, and in any case, we would have seen had she gotten up and walked or even crawled anywhere. We were standing there in shock, trying to digest this, when the car behind us breaks and the driver comes running over towards us and starts to ask, is that lady okay, is the lady okay? And as he's walking towards us, he's saying, it wasn't your fault, I saw everything, she just stepped out in front of you without looking. When he arrived at the front where we were, he also was as shocked as us to see nothing. We all looked around amongst the graves for perhaps five or ten minutes, but found no sign that any physical person had been there. What we did find, however, was the grave next to the road from where she stepped out with the image on it of a woman who looked like the lady we thought I had hit. that's where we'll end today's episode of our two-episode Halloween special. Be sure and join us tomorrow for an extra special and long episode, a collaboration from a group of paranormal and murder podcasters, mates of mine who share their favourite paranormal experience or a story they really enjoy or their favourite murder episode. I'll end this episode with these words from a mystery man. Happy Halloween. Do try not to die. If you want to become a patron of the show, then head over to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. As a patron, you get access to a special members-only page of the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com, from which you can download full transcripts of each episode. You also have access to some interview bits that may not make the episodes and little extras as I have time to create and add them for you for only $5 a month, plus any taxes applicable in your country, less than the cost of a cup of coffee. Also, you have my absolute gratitude and appreciation, so what are you waiting for? Go to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. used two lots of bumper music today a dark past from wicked cinema and abysmal from bright lowry if you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes then please don't hesitate to contact me or if any of you have any questions suggestions or any comments that you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself or my audience Or if you feel you might be a good fit as a guest on my podcast, then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com or check out the Be A Guest page on the podcast website. Check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name and our Twitter feed at Shadowlands10. Like and follow for hints on our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on your chosen podcasting platform or on the podcast Facebook page, Walk in the Shadowlands. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and iHeartRadio as well. Also, if you have Alexa, simply say these four words. 
open Walk in the Shadowlands and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those who are impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more, the merrier. Thank you so much for listening today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. We'll see you in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. 